misery and mistakes, you are not alone. Blessed are you whose dreams have been interrupted, stomped on, or perhaps just taking too long. There is a new thing right around the corner. Blessed are you who don't know what to believe or why you are here today. But despite that, you keep pushing forward. Blessed are you who are walking through seasons of prosperity and joy, celebration and hope. For you have found something truly worthy of sharing. You see, sometimes life is just hard, but blessed are those who seek the Lord in the midst of that darkness. For there is hope, real, tangible hope found in Him. So today, may you be reminded that you were created on purpose and for a purpose. May you know that God has big plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. May you walk in truth and light so that no matter where you go, you will have a light onto your path. May you find rest free from anxiety. And may his love, which is never ending, and his grace, which is never failing, follow you wherever you may go. For he has come to make all things new. Hey, everybody. I was waiting for Brian to actually give a big one church uh, welcome, but he's just over there like, fine. <laughs> hey, yeah, <laughs> that's what I was waiting for. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here, and I am glad to be here. In case you didn't know, I have, and I really mean this, even as much as we trade sarcastic, insulting remarks to each other all the time, I have incredible uh, respect and love for Brian, the pastor of this church, And I'm just, it's exciting to me to know what God may do. I don't know, but I look forward to seeing it unfold. And I just want to say to you as a church, I'm with you. I'm with you and for you. And I mean that with all my heart. And I look forward to what God will do at this church family. So uh, enough of the nice stuff now. Let me just jump in here and talk about... You know, what I came here to talk about, we're doing a little two-part series, first things first, you know. And you, you know, we, we all know that self-driving cars are not that far away, and some of you dread that, some of you look forward to that, some of you feel different ways. I can tell you that I've never yet, and uh, maybe this is just because I'm old and unex- inexperienced, but uh, I've never been in a car with autopilot uh, yet. But what's interesting is, is that every car I've ever driven has an autopilot, and it's called me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? T- t- tell me if you can relate to this. So I'm driving down the road, and I come to that place. <clears throat> I'm headed somewhere, very intent, and I come to that place where if I go left, I'm going to go to work. If I go right, I'm going to go home. But I am intensely thinking about something else entirely, and I'm very focused on that. And so autopilot kicks in and takes me right where I don't want to be. Anybody relate to what I'm saying? Anybody ever wound up at work and said, oh my gosh, how did I get here or home or whatever? And it's like, it's, it's, thank you very much, autopilot. If I were to look back over the decades of my driving career, I can't say how many times I've, I've, I've just arrived somewhere with great energy and suddenly go, this isn't where I was going though. I mean, it's like, what is wrong with me? But it's true for all of us. And it doesn't, of course, just happen in cars. It actually happens in all kinds of ways to all of us. Want to know the truth about me? I'm pretty sure that I have set goals 
basically on autopilot that later on, after even having achieved the goal, I say to myself, I'm not even sure that was where I should have been going. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not even sure that's what I want. It's like we lose the weight and we're proud of ourselves on the one hand. I lost weight. I did this thing. I, you know, I, I, but it doesn't, I thought it would feel, I thought I would, maybe that wasn't the primary thing in life where we get in shape and I'm not against those things. I'm just saying sometimes I think we, we, we have these goals that are set maybe by autopilot instead of by some internal thing that says what I need most in life I've often wondered, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I've often wondered if our goals aren't created more by autopilot than by intention. I mean, again, like I said, maybe I'm wrong, but I wonder sometimes if the things that we anticipate, that we look forward to, that we want, aren't created more by what's popular on social media rather than what's most important in my life at a core level. I want you to just think about this. If I were to ask you, what are the things you really hope could and would happen in the coming year, in 2024, as we now enter this year, what do you think your response would be? What would be the kind of things that come to the surface? You go, well, I'm hoping that this will happen, and I'm hoping that that would happen, and and if this could, I'd really... Now, again, I don't know what that would be for you, but my guess is, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but my guess is is that many of them would be what I would call surface-level types of things. Things that would have to do with your appearance. I want to look better. I want to lose weight. I want to get in better shape. I want to get ripped. I want to, you know, whatever it is. I want to have all these things. Or maybe it would be something with your stuff. Well, what I would hope would happen this year is that we would get that kitchen finally fixed up and remodeled, or we'd get the bathroom done, or the house would look this way, or, or that way. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not saying that any of those things are bad. Maybe it would have to do with your business, or, or making more money, or, or investing in more wisely, or whatever it is. I don't think those things are wrong. My wife and I just were coming to the end of a remodel that's taken us most of a year, and it was a lot of work and effort, so I'm not down on those things. I just wonder sometimes if we don't end up being sucked into those and we miss the ones that really matter. Like, who are you becoming? Not what do you look like on the outside, not what do you feel like when things are going right for you, but who is it that you are becoming? Where are you going with your life these days? Where do you want to go? Is it the right destination or is it just some kind of momentary autopilot thing that in the end doesn't really make that much difference in life? Years ago, uh, we had this van and uh, um, I didn't like it because I didn't like the color of it, but the van ran fine. It worked great for our family. It really did run beautifully until it didn't. Some of you will have had an experience like this. You could be driving the van, be running great, pull into the gas station, turn it off, fill it up with gas, go to turn it on, and it would not start. And it wasn't a dead battery. You could jump it. You could do whatever you want. It would not start for an hour or for two hours, or for half a day, or a day. It was insane, and it was so intermittent. You might go two weeks or three weeks, and it wouldn't do it, and then suddenly, it would just screw up your whole day. I mean, you're headed, you're doing things, and it won't start. So, this was, let's say, 20 years ago. What would you have thought if you knew I had that van, you knew that I'd had this problem, I'd told you about it, and then you come to visit me one day and I'm in the yard and I'm washing that thing with great vigor and then I get the wax out and I'm waxing on and waxing off and all that, and you're like, what are you up to? And I'm like, I'm fixing the van. 
what would you have thought of me? This is the heathen side, clearly, because they already went there. What, what would you have thought of me? You are dumb. I know Brian's like, I was already there. I didn't even know that story. You would say to me, no, 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 no. That's not what you do to get the van fixed. You have to fix the inside. It was an interesting thing because we took it to multiple mechanics. It was one of those, you fix it by finding out, you know, rule out kind of things like, oh, well, let's replace this and see it. And it got very expensive. Turned out in the end, and it took us the longest time to fix it, it was the smallest little thing in the electrical system. And once we replaced that part, this little part, it fixed it. But all the washing and waxing in the world, I'm not saying it's wrong to wash and wax your car. I think it's great. But first, fix the inside. Anybody agree with me on that? First, make sure that the thing is running properly so that it will do what you want it to do. Working on the outside was not the answer. So as we enter this new year, with whatever hopes and dreams, whatever wishes you might have for what will happen, I want to just challenge us, and I want to start with me, to pause and maybe not focus on the externals for just a bit and pop the hood and look inside and say, Is this thing running like it should? Is it going in the direction it should? Am I becoming who I want to be? Am I doing the stuff that really matters? And of course, there are a zillion ways we could go with this. We could talk about many different things. Brian started this little two-part series last week and talked about the priority, which I would say is absolutely always number one, that we build our relationship with God, that we're growing our relationship with God, that we're doing the things which keep drawing us into a deeper relationship with him. What I want to do is I want to tag something onto this, which I think is absolutely central to you living well. And it is the idea and the practice of forgiveness. Now, before you drop off to sleep on me, you just hang on because I'm going to work you over today. <laughs> this is what's so nice about not actually going here. I can just come in and insult you and then leave and feel really good about it. I'll be back, back at the nursing home, you know, eating mush and <laughs> just be perfectly happy. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not going to say if you get the forgiveness thing right in your life that everything's going to go smoothly. I will say this, though. If you don't, if you do not get forgiveness right in your life, it has the power, probably more than anything else, to wreck you and those around you. And I know that sounds dramatic, but I'm not recanting on this. This is absolutely massive. So often, I think we're busy washing and waxing the outside, and we've got this thing on the inside which we've not dealt with, forgiveness, or maybe a better way of saying it is unforgiveness, not forgiving. And we've pushed it off the side, and we just act like it's not even there. Hey, everything's fine, everything's fine. But it is not. Actually, in my opinion, I believe that as much as anything in your life, and I know this is, again, it's dramatic, but this thing called unforgiveness is a thing that most likely keep you disconnected from God and the life that he wants you to have. Because here's the thing. I think, I don't think most people would disagree with me that what we know we need and long for in our lives is we need grace and forgiveness. Anybody with me on that? 
We need grace and we need forgiveness. Even if you're saying, I'm not sure I even believe in God. I don't even know where I stand on all this stuff. You still know that you are a broken, messed up person and you desperately need grace and forgiveness on a regular basis. Come on. Whether it's from your significant other or from a parent or from a child or whoever it is, you need grace and forgiveness. And we as followers of Jesus, many of us, we know that we need grace and forgiveness from God more than anything. Because just when you think you're starting to get, you know, I have... I was a pastor, as Brian said, for over 40 years, and it's been some years, a few years now that I've been in the retired stage, and so I'm a pretty old guy. I'm I'm 67, all right? And I've worked hard to try to be a good guy. I really have. I know Brian doesn't believe it, but I really have worked hard to try to be a good guy. And some days I think, man, it took me till my 60s, but I'm finally getting there. And five minutes later, I do the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I think I'm getting there and then something happens and I realize, man, I need grace. I need forgiveness. I just made a mess of this and I need it maybe from my wife or from one of my kids or from somebody I work with or no. And I know some of you are going, well, Jeff, there's the thing that you can be guaranteed of. With God, there is always forgiveness and grace for you. You'll always have it. And I know why you say it, but I'm going to disagree with you. Hang on for you. Accuse me of heresy. Actually, Scripture tells us there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ, and it gives this list. But there's one thing missing from that list. The one thing that can separate me from the forgiveness of God is me. It's me. It's if I choose not to receive it from God, if, it's, if I choose not to be open to it. And I want you to hear me on this because this is incredibly important. If you choose not to forgive, you may not know this, but you cannot leave today without being clear on this. If you choose not to forgive, you block the forgiveness of God from your life. You actually damn up yourself so that the forgiveness of God, which is there, the grace of God, which is there for you, will just go around you and will not hit you. Even though God wants it, you damn up God's grace. God doesn't do it. You do it. So hear me on this. This is really important. Unforgiveness blocks our hearts. And this is not just my opinion, guys. This is not just me saying, well, I, I, I think this is what it is. This is actually scripture. This is what Jesus says. I want you to see this. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Yay. And this is the next part that's really hard. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will what? <laughs> Somebody's going, no, no, no. If you don't forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive yours. And it sounds really harsh, but I want you to get this. I want you to feel the weight of this. You actually can block the forgiveness of God from your own life by not forgiving others. And what I want you to be clear on is, is that it's not that God's angry with you or ticked off or going, oh yeah, that way you're going to be okay. Well, I'll do. no, it's not that at all. It's that you make that choice and he simply walks out your choice. I love how it's written in the message paraphrase. It says this, again, the same verses, it's just Jesus speaking. He says, in prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. 
you can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. Now listen, I love this last sentence. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. And this sounds, for some of us, because you know, that's a little scary. If you're saying, I might not receive the forgiveness of God because I won't forgive somebody else, that's exactly what I'm saying. And not because of what God wants to do to you. This is because of a choice you make that you will not forgive Some of you are familiar with the story that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 18. It's quite an interesting story, really. He talks about this guy who owes so much to his master that he would never be able to pay it back in many lifetimes. And he comes before his master, and he's about to be thrown in jail. He begs for forgiveness. And the master not only says, it's all right, he tells him, I forgive you the debt. In other words, you don't have to make payments. You don't have to do anything. It's over. It's an amazing thing, grace and forgiveness. And then Jesus says, the guy goes out and he's hardly free from getting forgiven when he sees somebody that owes him just a minuscule amount compared to what he'd owed. He grabs him by the throat, has him thrown in prison until the guy can pay it. And Jesus says, when the master hears about it, things change for that guy. Here's what's interesting. Many people think that means the master's like, oh, well, yeah, you did that. I'm going to be vindictive and I'm ticked off to you. It's not the master saying, I don't like you. Jesus came and gave his life for us to be forgiven and have grace. That guy cut himself off from the forgiveness of the master. And so when he comes back before the master, he said, this is what you want. This is what you do. You got it. Do you understand why I'm saying this is so important? I, I, I mean, I want you to make a connection with God, but I want you to understand if we harbor unforgiveness inside, we block, we damn off our relationship and the gift of God. Jesus says it this way. This is so important. He says, if you're presenting an, uh, a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, in other words, if you come and you give an act of worship, I, I, I got to tell you, I stood in back during worship in this service today and I was so moved and so impacted. I'm just back there going, I love you, God. And he's saying, if you come and you offer up your love of worship, now look what he says. And you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. You leave the sacrifice. In other words, you stop singing and you go and you be reconciled to that person and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Now we know we can't always be reconciled with everybody, but reconciliation always is First, involving forgiveness. Sometimes people don't want to reconcile, but you have to forgive them. And Jesus is saying, you want to tell God you love him? You want to tell him you love him? Then you forgive as you've been forgiven. You forgive. This should cause pause in our lives because it shows how big this thing called forgiveness and reconciliation really is. You want to tell God you love him. You do that when you forgive somebody who has wounded you and maybe they never said they're sorry and maybe they're not sorry and maybe they still are acting like jerks. You forgive them because that is what God calls you to do. This is not easy stuff to hear. But this is really good preaching. I'm sorry, I had to say that, all right? We need to hear this. We don't want to hear it, but we need to hear this. Now let me just... Let me just stop for a minute because I know some of you are like me and you're probably sitting here going, this is good and I know people that need to hear this. And I'm glad that I'm not struggling with that. There's nobody in my life that I can think of that I don't forgive. And that's exactly what I would say. Can I just be honest with you? I think of myself as a pretty forgiving person. But when I dig 
in, when I pop the hood and look at my life, it's not always the case. For example, you say, I don't have anybody I need to forgive. I've forgiven everybody. It's fine, 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 fine. But then I ask you about so-and-so and you go, well, I just don't like to be around them. I just don't want to be near them, you know? Why? Why? See, I think sometimes we don't dig down, and this is actually what I think we do, is that we get wounded by someone, and because forgiveness is hard work and it takes a lot of energy and we really don't want to go through all that, what we do is is we push them off to the side and do our best to forget about them, and sometimes we become quite successful at it. And then we can say, I don't have any unforgiveness towards anybody, but you actually didn't forgive them, you just tried to forget them. And what I would contend is, is that you may say, well, that's just, I I, I don't even know how to deal with. I would just say, we have to understand how important forgiveness is. If you actually forgive someone for whatever it is that they did, maybe it's just that they're, they're a jerk to everybody and you just, you're offended by that. You need to forgive them for that. Because you remember what Jesus said, if you don't forgive, what happens? Nobody wants to say, right? We block forgiveness to ourselves. I don't think somebody else needs to hear this. I think you and I do. And I've been processing this quite a lot. And I want you to hear me on this. Consciously choosing to not forgive damages you. It it, it hurts you. And so what I want to do is I just... I want to give you some hope because I know some of you are saying, and I know how this works. I know some of you are saying, but I tried. If you knew what he did to me, if you knew the depth of the damage he's done, I tried and I just can't forgive. And I understand, and I understand why you say that, but I'm going to tell you something. Actually, you can. And the first thing you need to understand, and this is really important, is is that you have to choose forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a feeling and it doesn't happen by accident. I choose it. Can we say that out loud together? Let's try it. I choose it. Let, let's try it and get a few more people to say it. Come on, with some energy. I choose it. I don't wait for it to come to me. I don't wait for myself to go, oh, oh, oh the angel's saying, and I now feel forgiveness, and it's all one. No, no, I choose to forgive. Not because it feels good or is easy, but because that is what God calls me to do, because that's what he's done for me. And so I choose, I choose to forgive. And if you don't, you block it from yourself. And what you need to understand, I know some of you are saying, but I've tried it. I, 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 I said I'd forgiven, and I forgave somebody. I, I said I'd forgive them, and then the feelings came back, and so I just can't. I just can't. The feelings keep coming back. I understand that. Here's what you need to hear and understand this very clearly. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It is an action. That was really deep, so I'm going to say it again, all right? Because I think some of us really get this one confused. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It is something I do. It is a choice. I choose to forgive. And that's the first point. If you're making notes, I'm going to give you just some simple thoughts, and i got to run through these really quickly, but these are so important. And the first one is when I forgive, the first thing I do is I make a decision. Let me give you an idea of how this looks on the inside of me because I've been working on this for years. And this is how, let's, let's say Brian offends me. Now, he's never done that because he's just, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Brian, you know, that kind of thing. But he, let's just say he, forget, he offends me in some way. This is how it works with me. 
forgive him? No. Not a chance in Hades. First of all, he's a jerk. And he deserves to not be forgiven because he hasn't even said he's sorry. He's not even acknowledging. He's just, he has wanted me. No, I will. I do not have to, and I will not forgive him. But God, you say I have to. I don't have to want to. I don't have to feel like it. You say I have to forgive him. Now, this is how it works in me. Okay. Anybody ever like that with God? Fine. Now, I'm not talking about your wife. I'm talking about with God. Anybody ever that way with God? Fine, fine, stinking fine. And so what I do is I make the decision, I forgive him. Now, let me tell you what happens. I say as an act of my will, I forgive him and let him go. Yes. And two minutes later, all the feelings and all the thoughts and all the anger and all the sadness and all the resentment all come rising back up on the inside of me again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And this is what I learned. That that doesn't mean I haven't forgiven. That means I have feelings. And this is what I've learned, and this is so powerful, is that first the decision, later the feelings. If you wait to forgive someone until you feel like it, chances are good you might die before you forgive because, come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Years ago, this is, and this is where I learned this. I had someone that I had considered a best friend at one time in my life. We were living in different areas, but I'd considered him by then, but I considered him a best friend and I loved him and respected him and thought the world of him. And then I found out from somebody that he was saying really terrible things about me. And they felt, of course, obligated to let me know that that was what was happening. And I was so wounded and so angry and so frustrated and I couldn't get over it. And I felt like God spoke to my heart. I call you to forgive him. I'm like, I can't. He's not even sorry. I'm not, no, no, no. I call you to forgive him. And so I made the decision and I made the decision. I forgive him. And then two minutes later, I felt horrible again. I'm like, God, I haven't forgiven him. He said, no, no. You forgive him and you stand by your decision. And so that's what I did. Every time the feelings would come up, I go, I forgave him. I'm for, I forgive him and I will stand by that. I forgive him. And I went for so long and those feelings come up and of course they got a little less and a little less and a little less. And then one day I remember I saw him at an event and I suddenly realized I don't have the feelings of hurt and anger anymore. I am free from that. But first came the decision and then the feelings. You're with me on that? First is what? The decision. And then? See, it doesn't matter how you feel. So first, you just, you just make the decision. And then the second thing you do is you ask God to help you. I, you know, I know that there are certain things that God calls us to do. And maybe this is my opinion, you know. <clears throat> but I think there are some things that God calls me to do that I simply cannot do on my own. I can't. But you remember what Jesus said, with God, all things are. Does anybody know the rest of it? With God, all things are possible. And so I think sometimes we just need to go and say, God, help me. I feel so stinking angry. I feel so, I need your help. 
And God will do that. Some of it you can't do on your own. You need God working in you, so ask him for help. I love what Robert Mulholland says. This is so good. He's an author. He said, in the final analysis, he says, there's nothing we can do to transform ourselves into persons who love and serve, and you could put in there parenthetically, and forgive as Jesus did, except make ourselves available to God. In other words, keep going back to God so that he'll do that work of transforming grace in our lives. You make a decision. You ask God for help. Here's the third thing that I found is so powerful, is just remember your own failures. There's something very powerful that helps me forgive when I remember my own failures. Tell me if this has ever happened to you. There have been times, this has literally happened to me, on a long car drive, hours, okay? And I get out and I'm driving, and before I get on the highway or whatever, somebody pulls out in front of me, and I am so angry. Now, I don't flip people off in this area. No, I don't. I'm joking. I'm joking, all right? I'm joking. I don't flip people off. I I send them mental signals of being flipped off, all right? But I'm angry. I'm resentful. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, why should, you should not be allowed to drive. You should be driven off the side of the road and left there to die. You know, whatever. I mean, I have all these emotions. But I calm myself down. I got a long drive and keep on driving. And then a half hour, 40 minutes later, I'm not paying attention and I cut someone off. And they have all the emotion I have, but no inhibitions of showing it. And so they pull up next to me and they're like, that's to you, buddy. And you can see the words, their mouth, you can't hear them, but you can see the words that are being formed. And you know, they're not words that should be said, you know, with children present or what. I mean, it's just, and you're like, like, man, I didn't mean to do that. I wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry. Gosh, why don't you just relax a minute? All right, come on. The person hits a gas and goes on ahead and you're down the road and you go, gosh. And then 15 minutes later, somebody cuts you off again. And you're like, I got you, bro. I understand how this works. You didn't mean to. Come on. It changes your perspective when you remember you have your own failures. It makes them more human and you more human when you remember who you are. And then last thought, and this is just so powerful, and that is that sometimes when we're wounded by people, we have to learn to tell new stories. Now, here's what I mean by this. You and I relate to everything that happens in our lives through stories. That's, that's how we relate to it. We put a story with it. Even if we don't know what the story is, we, we put a story to it. So this is, how this, this is the default story that comes when someone wounds you. I am a good person who's just trying to do a good life, and that person is a jerk, and they have rotten motives. I can't believe that they would do something like that. This is what we do. We do this over and over and over. And I'm going to tell you something. This is, this is basically how this works, is that when somebody offends me, I, all right, I'll just say it this way. I'll read it to you. We judge others on their behavior. You did this. We judge ourselves on our intentions. Is that true? Have you ever offended somebody and they came to you and said, what you did really hurt? And you're like, I'm so sorry. I did not mean, that's what we say. That's some of our first words, aren't they? I mean, when my wife is upset with me, I was telling I want you to know I did not mean, I wasn't even thinking I didn't mean, but you did it. It's true. Did it, but I didn't intend it. We judge ourselves knowing our intentions, but we judge everyone else just simply based on what they do. And then we write the story in. Basically, they're rotten. They don't care about us. They have no compassion. They're unfeeling and all that. And we need to understand that sometimes we just need to add new stories in and say, you know what? They probably didn't wake up today thinking I'm going to hurt you. They just screwed up. And when we write new stories, when we think 
these things. When we go to God after we've made the decision to forgive, when we, when we keep trusting him, when we remember our own failures and we tell new stories, it changes everything. And I know I've said some heavy stuff to you, but I'm telling you, I'm not apologizing. I think we needed to hear it. And I hope that you'll take it with you because this coming year, you can wash and wax the car or you can fix the inside so it runs like it should. And it starts by going to God and then having a heart of forgiveness. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to pray and then you'll be dismissed. Why don't we stand to our feet and I'll just lead you in prayer. This stuff isn't easy to hear, and I know some people feel frustrated. Help us to hear you speaking to us. Not just your mandate, but that you're committed to helping us and we'll keep going back to you. May we live with forgiveness in every area of our lives as we have been forgiven. And we're looking for a great day. In Jesus' name, let's say together. Amen. 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 You're dismissed. Have a great day. God bless you.